welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Emerald Greenforest, author, entrepreneur, internationally known speaker, transformation artist, and the host of the popular Men on Purpose podcast. Welcome. Hi, Emerald. Um, I'm very excited about having Emerald on the show. I met her a few months ago back in New York at the Harrison Summit, which is a um, place where we meet other people to help get our message out to the world. And she, we instantly connected. I was on her podcast about uh, men with a purpose. She also has one about women. And I'm not sure how to introduce her, but I'll work backwards a little bit. The reason why I have her on the show is that she is a doer. And I've mentioned multiple times on the doc project that creating a vision and executing is a critical part of actually moving out of chronic pain. If you try to fix chronic pain, your attention's on the problem, not the solution. And when I look at Emerald CV, I'm actually feel like I'm standing still here a bit. She's been very active. She started out in real estate development. She's an internationally known speaker. She now recently started a Men on Purpose podcast. She is just a busy woman, but she's also a doer in creating a vision and executing. So, Emerald, welcome to the show. I'm very excited about having you on the show. And I'd like to just give you just maybe a couple minute background about why you do what you do. Hmm. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. David. So, um, you know, I think chronic pain, which is something that you uh, navigate people through in the physical body, can also be in the mental and emotional body and the spiritual body. And so to answer directly your question of why I do what I do, I do what I do because I spent many years in chronic pain in my mental, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Um, and specifically why I'm doing the Men on Purpose podcast now is because I actually had a lifetime of being in relationship with men where um, they were either addicted, abusive, or I felt alienated from them. And that culminated in a major life rupture with my own son in 2016 when he was high on fentanyl after 10 years almost of, seven years at least, of uh, drug abuse. And he locked me in the basement and uh, threatened to kill me. Wow. So uh, I woke up and realized that I was the single unifying thread in all of those abusive, addicted, or alienating relationships. And it became clear to me that my work was to actually uproot myself from what I now call the toxic soil of abuse. And so even though I didn't have chronic pain in my body, I definitely had chronic pain in my spirit. Right. Wow. I didn't realize that part of your background. I'd like to touch on that just a little bit before we move on to some of the other things is that the last few years of my practice, we found out that the family dynamics are absolutely critical. We have these behavioral patterns and we tend to get attracted to our own familiar patterns, which unfortunately are relatively dark. And I agree with you. I went through the same process myself, realizing that I was a common thread and a lot of disruptive things in my life. And I have to say, I don't think most, I was sort of forced to acknowledge that it sounds like you were too, 
But yeah, we are responsible for creating our own reality, absolutely. And we want to blame the rest of the world for our problems, and it's just not that way. And that is the essence of the DOC project, by the way, is feeling safe, which means the first thing you have to do is take 100% responsibility for your own healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, when you first started that journey, you had that realization, and then what was your first step in that healing journey moving forward? Yeah, so um, I actually have been serving people for years around creating conscious change. And so the first step I had to do was was go through my own process, right? right. Of right. creating conscious change. And, and the first step is clarity and knowing what it is that you want. And so a little bit of a backstory, I, I was 38 years old before somebody said to me, what is it that you want? And I didn't even know that that question was... Um, you know, applicable to me because I had been conditioned and socialized to believe that I needed to take care of and fix for everyone else. Right. And, and that my wants, I mean, I didn't even know I was allowed to have them. Right. So, um, you know, at 38, when my son was probably six, five or six years old, right. Um, that was when that question first was delivered to me, uh, you know, from an outside party. And sometimes, right. sometimes we need outside intervention and outside intervention can come in the form of a question from a friend. It can come in the form of listening to a podcast like this and suddenly having an epiphany. Um, I believe that divine intervention is happening all the time for people to help them. And, and the work is really acknowledging that that is happening and then choosing right which is another one of my seven c's for creating conscious change choosing what it is that you actually want right and allowing yourself permission to to have what you want and to have first the wants right the desires so for me it was really about stop uh one of the practices that i do in my work and i have a i've been initiated in the inca tradition of the peruvian shaman uh lineage and one of the things that we talk about is stopping the world is what stopping the world okay stopping stopping the world and when you're in these dynamics of you know either chronic pain uh physically or mentally emotionally or spiritually you've created a world right and right. and and this world has momentum and this momentum keeps perpetuating itself unless you stop the world and drain the momentum from it right so part of the work for me was to um get the clarity of knowing what i wanted but how do we get to the clarity well we get to the clarity by stopping the world and spending time instead of being in action being in reflection okay. so that when we do take action, we're taking action in the right direction or in the more aligned direction or in the more healed direction. And did, and what did that look like for you? Was that stopping work or was it just simply stopping trying to do things? I mean, what, what did that actually look like for you to actually stop the world? Yeah. So for me, stopping the world was not doing anything. It was the exercise of not doing, you know, it was uh, draining the momentum from all the habits and patterns of behavior and engagements. And it included stopping work for a while. It included uh, stopping, you know, just the, the habits that I had set up. And, and we, 
have a tendency to be habitual creatures. So if if every single day you're doing the same thing and you're expecting to get different results, you know, that's craziness. And I can't remember who said that originally, so I don't want to misquote, but um, that's not my original content right there. Right. And, and so I want to tell you how I stopped the world was by choosing, right? Choosing to say, this isn't working. Right. And, and I need to stop doing these things. And that included, uh, you know, who I was relating to and how I was relating to them. It included my business. It included my perpetual habit of being a people pleaser. Right. Perpetual habit of what I call pretzeling. I call it pretzeling. It's like you put yourself into a pretzel to make somebody else happy. Right. So I had to stop all of those things. Okay. Well, I'm impressed. I'm going to go back to one step further because the entire process in my mind is about, awareness is the first step of the doc project and the first step of becoming aware is actually understanding when you are unaware Mm -hmm. and so that so awareness is the essence of the entire process and that's why if you're angry and frustrated and reactive you cannot become aware by definition it just can't happen and i wrote i've written this several times but if you take the word reactive if you react in the situation you really aren't thinking you're simply trying to survive doing the next step etc if you take the letter C out of the middle of the word reactive and put it at the beginning, you get the word creative. And if you can, you have to make a little bit of a space to see first before you can become creative. I also have another little mantra for myself is that no action in a reaction. In other words, you can't suppress anger. You can't stop it, but you don't have to take action when you're in that reaction. So for me personally, I was in a reaction my entire life. And I think you're a little bit more aware than I was because I just crashed and burned completely. And it sounds like that you had a moment of waking up and becoming aware. Mm. And so I'm impressed. That's a really great step. That is the essence of starting the process, by the way, is this awareness. We have a process called expressive writing, which starts the entire doc project. Did you do any writing exercises? I'm just curious. Yeah, Yeah, I write all the time. In fact, after my... um, experience, which I call now, it was a rite of passage with my son. Okay. Um, After that experience in the basement, it was definitely a rite of passage. It was a rite of passage for me to exit the the role of mother and enter into the role of elder. And it was the the rite of passage for him to exit out of being child and, and going into man. And, you know, now he's fine and everything is great. So let me just make everybody clear about that. But in the moment of the trauma and i have a lot of tools in my toolbox so i've been you know studying personal development and facilitating personal development and professional development for people for 20 years now right um so i had a ton of tools and and i had a lot of awareness already cultivated but when i went through this trauma in 2016 writing was really what actually um, neutralized the entire thing for me. I actually began writing about three days after uh, this happened on Facebook and, and not only writing, but for the first time in my life, surrendering to the notion that I needed help. Like I really needed help. And it was time for me to vociferously ask for help. So I started writing on Facebook and asking for help 
but I was very specific about the kind of help that I wanted. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I didn't want people to say, oh my God, this is terrible and fuel the, uh, the trauma. I asked for people to pray for my sons and my evolution out of this into a better place. Okay. And every day for 30 days I wrote, and it was about you know, after the 30 days, uh, maybe two or three weeks afterwards, I realized, wow, I've neutralized this whole experience. I don't feel charged anymore from it. And I came to the understanding that I had actually been doing EMDR, which is a, a technique, eye movement, desensitization and reprogramming. Right. I was doing EMDR on myself through the writing because when you're typing, you're using both hands. Right. So every time I was expressing myself and using both hands, I was literally processing this experience through my corpus callosum. There's something about the writing that's very powerful. It's almost a, it's sort of the secret weapon of the dark project. I broke out of my 15 years of chronic pain with writing by accident. I didn't know what was going on. What I now find out, there's a book out called Opening Up by Writing It Down by Dr. Penny Baker and Dr. Smythe. There's over a thousand research paper, over a thousand that documents expressive writing makes a difference. It's huge. And we don't really see movement until people start the writing. So on your seven C's for creating conscious change, number one was clarity, where I would use the word awareness. We just talked about that. And it obviously took a big event in your life to bring that on. The second one is courage. And there's a certain point in life, I'm just curious what your, what your concept was of this, because it obviously is humbling to realize that you are actually, the. I mean, I go through this all the time myself. I teach a lot of things, but I'm also going back into, into counseling myself to keep looking at what I don't see. Mm-hmm. So it's very humbling to realize that, okay, I teach this stuff, but it's a lot harder to practice it than to actually do it, right? So I'm curious, on number two, you have the word courage, which to me, humility is actually part of that process, part of that word. Yeah, so for me, courage means with heart, right? Okay. And so um, when we know what we want, we must then put ourselves wholeheartedly into the direction of creating that. Okay. Right? So we can't be having um, backdoors. We can't be having uh, crutches. We can't be leaving uh, escape hatches for ourselves that says, I really want this, but if that doesn't work out, I'll go do this. Right. Right. We have to be courageous in that we must com- we must put ourselves wholeheartedly into the direction of what it is that we want to create. And for example, if your folks are in, in this chronic pain and you are here to give them the awakening and the epiphany uh, and the clarity that it doesn't have to be this way, right? You're the divine intervention. This show is the divine intervention. Now they, they must muster up this courage to wholeheartedly choose to go all in on the process of ameliorating the pain for themselves. Right. Which means you have to take full responsibility that this is your life, what you want. But I do think that maybe as we were programmed, I would say I was quote, very accomplished. I was a top level spine surgeon, lots of accomplishments, but I wasn't really seen. I just was reacting literally my entire life. And I, 
so in a way, I was in a very structured environment that you just go to the next step. That's a little bit different than courage. Mm -hmm. And I also tell people that, the, look, my book's just a book. The website's just a website. You have to actually learn the tools and implement them to actually move forward. But also that also implies creating a vision of what you want your, your life to look like. And I use a metaphor called create, learn another language, an enjoyable life, is that you can't fix chronic pain. You can't solve chronic pain by trying to fix it. You actually have to move into your new life. And it's a huge, huge aspect of solving chronic pain is actually creating a part of your brain that actually lives life going forward, not looking backwards. And one of our basic premises is that people cannot discuss their pain because where's your attention? And the key is in terms of neuroplasticity, not psychology, which is a fixing type mentality. And the key is to move forward with your pain, but it actually changes your brain. Your actually brain develops where you, you put your attention. So the courage thing is a big deal. Um, the third thing you have down there is coaching, which I heartily agree with. And I will just quickly say that the intention of the doc project is to unload 100% responsibility of solving pain on the, onto the person's experience in the pain. And then what it does, I've said this for many years as a physician, instead of me trying to fix you, I become a cheerleader and a coach and a guide, but I'm not doing it for you. Do you want to, you want to make a comment on the word coaching in your seven steps? Yeah, I do. And but before I make the comment on that, I want to I want to underline and underscore this idea of not fixing and also this idea that you're advancing of of uh, not talking about the pain. When we use the word my, we are telling ourselves that we own it. Right. And now right. there's this ownership of this pain. And now that sets us up in the dynamic for I have to fix it. Right. Right. And so for me, that looked like wanting to fix all the people in my life so that right. I could get out of pain, right? Correct. And so the coaching aspect of this is really looking for somebody that you resonate with who has, has evolved beyond where you are and who can guide and coach and mentor you in the direction that you are choosing to go so that you have a structure and a framework and help. You know, my biggest challenge was not asking for help, right? right. So if, if you are experiencing pain and, it, and your attempts to fix it aren't working, I mean, there's nothing else you can do except ask for help, whether it's asking for help from the divine or asking for help from a coach or a mentor. And right. sometimes, sometimes you have to recognize that where you thought you were going to get help is actually not the place. So I'll tell a little story about when I got out of the basement that night, Right. I ran to the forest. I called my son's father and he started yelling at me. Oh, great. And I looked at the phone for the first time in my life. I was like, this isn't helping. No. And I pushed the button and I hung up. I was like, this isn't helping. No. And, and uh, so the next step was to call the police. And who came to get me out of the forest? Officer friend. Seriously. Like, really? it was so mythic that wow. you can't even make this stuff up, right? Wow. So, but it was my acknowledgement that first I needed to ask for help. 
Second, I, I asked for help where I thought I could get it, right? right. Which was another old habit of, of behavior for 20 years. I'd been trying, 18 years, whatever. I'd been trying to get help from right. his father who was not capable of helping. Right. right. And not, not only was he not capable of helping, he was actually amplifying and aggravating the condition. Right. So um, the work in coaching is to not only ask for help, but be willing to acknowledge when it's not helping and stop that and move uh, forward and see if there's somebody else that you can ask for help. Like there's right. no shortage of help in the world. So making sure that everybody understands that coaching and mentorship is available. There are plenty of people out there in the world. And if you resonate with me and I'm your coach or mentor, then let's have the conversation. If you resonate with Dr. David and he's your mentor, then have the conversation with him and make the, um, make the magic happen that you're going to start working together. Hire that person, right? That's right? And if you get into a dynamic with a coach or a mentor where it's aggravating right. and perpetuating a pain pattern, you got to say, oh, that's not working. We're going to move on rather than get stuck in, in um, you know, just perpetuating the same patterns again. There's also a really big factor. I noticed this in spine surgery, also with myself, with my pain, patients in pain, is that if you aren't willing to be coached, you got to stop. In other words, if you're not willing to ask for help and you think you have it figured out, by definition, every human being has blind spots that are big ones. I teach this stuff. Actually, the therapist I work with keeps saying, well, I don't know why you're here. You already know this stuff. But guess what? Over the last three months, I found all sorts of blind spots that I didn't know was there. She may not see them, but I can see some very clear granular blind spots. And you look at people that are highest level athletes, they all have coaches, high level performers, dancers, ballet, whatever it is, they all have coaches all the time. In fact, the more proficient you become at what you do, the bigger the need for a coach, Right. But uh, the biggest obstacle that we have in people solving their pain, by the way, the mental pain is the bigger problem than the physical pain. That's a whole different topic. But if you're not willing to be coached, you say, oh, I know it. Just get me fixed. I don't want to do this. That's a huge red flag that you are in trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I mean, the problem is when you're not aware, you're not aware. So becoming aware of your unawareness is a huge step in going forward. The first step. It is it's huge. And then if you don't want to be coached, that's just another clue that you just aren't aware. Yeah. And it's then also notice in medicine that the physicians that were the best physicians by far, including my mentors in Minneapolis, who are unbelievable surgeons, they never thought they never thought they had it figured out. They're going to yeah. conferences, writing papers. Yeah. My situation in Seattle, I had all these fellows coming in, so I'm the mentor, right? But I learned a ton. Every fellow that came in taught me three or four or five things that were dramatically different. Mm -hmm. So being open to change in any direction at any time is really critical. So in this first session of the podcast, I'd like to just finish off with this fourth one. We'll, we'll go off over the other three on the second podcast. But you have the word create, mm -hmm. take the leap and engage in inspired action. And again, I say, look, the Doc Project's a book and a website, but nothing happens until you actually take action and learn the tools. So I'd like to have you comment on your four steps. So far, we've talked about clarity, number one, courage, coaching, and then cre creating. So I'd like to, obviously, you are more than a little bit creative, but I'm just curious what your, what your take is on the word create. 
Yeah, so um, creating means to marshal the forces that you do have available to you, the resources that you do have available to you, and in the process of this disintegration of everything that's not working anymore, redirecting that energy in the direction of what it is that you want to bring into your life, the experience that you want to create, the um, the relationships that you desire, the uh, process of creation is, is magic, it's right. mystical, it's right. mystical, and it is a collaboration with the divine. It's a collaboration right. with the elements uh, that are available to you. And the, the creation process is not something that can be, um, you know, we can talk around it, but every person's creation process is different. And so the, the real work is being the willing vessel through which creation is able to express itself, whether that's through writing or making art or creating relationships or being a podcaster or whatever it is that you're inspired to do. And I made it very clear in my step that this is about taking a leap out of where you've been and into unknown territory, but only if it's inspired action. Okay. There's a very bad uh, message out there that says, take action, take action, take action, take action. Well, if you're taking action in the same old environment, in the same old mindset, in the same old patterns that you have established over the course of a lifetime, you're just perpetuating what doesn't work for you. Right. So inspired action is, is, is something that is a felt experience. It comes in from the divine, from the infinite source, from the great mystery, from the muses, whatever you want to call it, but it's not just taking action for taking action's sake. And so often we have to stop and wait and be patient for the inspiration to come. And while we're waiting for the inspiration to come, that's the time to actually conserve and build our energy because the more we conserve and build our energy, when the inspiration comes, then we have that energy to fuel the creation. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, Emerald, thank you for this um, first section of the podcast. We're going to go over the last three on the second podcast. So just to review, um, the first one is clarity. Mm-hmm. courage, mm-hmm. coaching, and creation. Mm-hmm. And the second part, number five is checking in. Number six is choosing. And number seven is celebrating. And those are things we'll talk about in a second. Um, can you tell the audience how to get a hold of your resources? You, you've written you've written several books, right? Yeah, I've been a uh, uh, contributing author to at least 17 different books. But the place <laughs> where I'd really like to have people go is um, to my website, emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift, because I have created a gift there for people. It's my instant clarity exercise, because we got to start with clarity. And it's an eight minute meditation to help people make a decision or maybe several decisions uh, when they are caught in what I call the clouds of confusion. So emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T.
Have you, did you write a book also? Have you written specific yes. books? I've actually written several books. I have a, a book of poetry. I have a book of channeled messages from the angels. I have a book of uh, uh, quotes, success quotes. And I have another book in progress right now. I actually have several books in progress. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm constantly in creation mode. Well, I'm very energized just talking to you. It's a great conversation. I appreciate you being on the show. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank our guest, Emerald Greenforest, for being on the show today and sharing her journey of emotional and spiritual healing and also the process of transformation that we can all use to change our lives. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and I want to remind you to come back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. In the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.